Thank you, guys. It's Jeff. It's Jordan. It's only an hour. Jordan, okay. you going to get to some Rangers games now that you live in the Metroplex? Uh, you know, I might. Um, I know, I know, Colin Kennedy is a big Rangers fan, so if he ends up trying to drag me to some games, I'll probably. Won't end up saying no. Um, before we get into it, I just want to ask, is anyone else on this show dealing with like the SOS cellular stuff? Yeah, I was. I, I've reached out to some people. It seems like it's mostly a Dallas problem more than an Austin problem. Uh, I was um, under the impression that it was a, like an AT&T issue. Okay. Yeah, that's 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 providers? what I saw. That's what it saw too. But like the like not everyone I, I hit up in Austin that has AT&T had the problem. I could still but text. It seems like everyone in Dallas did. Yeah, it, the text. SOS, the SOS thing went away about 15 minutes ago on my yeah. phone. But my wife I had it since waking up. I woke up, uh, woke up to that deal, and I guess my wife didn't pay attention. But she texted me like two hours after she gets to work. She's like, "AT and T's down." I'm like, "If you watch the news every now and then or paid attention, you'd know that it was down." But yes, so uh, it didn't, it didn't impact me any at all. As a matter of yeah. fact, I just before we got on air. About 30 minutes ago, I called our guy Mike Roach. I didn't even realize that I could call out at that point. So that's how much it impacted my morning. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. For me, I didn't. I, I woke up and was like, what the hell? And kind of assumed it would just go away. And I, I mean, I started to get nervous before I started reaching out to people because, like, this is a semi permanent thing. I mean, this affects my job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I can't call people. Yeah, man. Um, it's. Uh... So. A lot of people were freaking out this morning, but yeah. uh, it was Nate. Okay, so Daryl saying it was nationwide, AT and T, T Mobile, and Verizon. All right, uh, Ruse CB. Hope everybody's doing well. That said hello in the chat. Uh, I, I was. It didn't impact me none, Jordan, because I wasn't planning on using the phone. I had to write a baseball tidbit for the Insider and did one on Jared Thomas. So that's that's pretty much all I uh, all I was. Uh, okay. Yeah, Jorge so- brings it up. Okay, let me before you start, let me yeah. preface by saying uh Gus Cordova like Travis is who we're talking about. Um this popped up on my radar. Jordan, you're from Lake Travis. I know you've got a lot of people dialed into what's going on there, so I know you were you started getting a whiff of this months ago. Uh mine was probably I, I probably started hearing about it, I don't know, maybe like November december somewhere around there um i don't know how deep you want to get into it but let's start with this as far as you know schools recruiting gus cordova is there anybody actively recruit namely is texas still actively recruiting him at this point uh no and i guess before we get started i did want to include something insider on it this morning but like it's you know, news articles can't include his name because he is a minor, and like I'm, I'm not putting myself in that situation. Yeah. Um, so you know that's why we didn't run anything. But yeah, I, I had first heard about it in the fall. Um, it happened either in September, or October. I don't really remember, but I, I'm pretty sure it happened in one of those months because I remember I found out sometime around that time, and I found out pretty quickly. Um, and let, but, let's, uh, let's, let me just say, like, like vague is probably the way to go right here we didn't talk about this pre-show but yeah 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 Yeah. for sure um but i'd find out i'd found out then um and you know i myself uh had never quite viewed him as a texas level prospect if i'm being completely honest i think lake travis also kind of was doing him a disservice because he is an edge prospect and they were playing him at nose tackle Mm -hmm. um 
So kind of hard to get a good read on him. But as a prospect, I never viewed him as a Texas level guy. And so you can imagine uh, I was really, really surprised whenever I saw him walking into the Texas Junior Day because he didn't post he was going and I didn't think to hit him up either because I had assumed Texas had just known because I had known for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, you know, with Texas being the local school, um, I believe I believe they might have said or someone released yesterday that they hadn't known and they offered. But I had assumed they known just because they're right down the road. I feel like that's a pretty fair assumption. Uh, I know other schools know I actually ended up being the person that told a couple schools um, to hey, do you hear about this or whatnot? And they had never heard about it. You know, that's something coaches want to know about. So a um, few schools have found out about it when it originally happened through me or other people in the network. Um, but, you know, uh, again, we assume Texas would know and turns out they didn't. Um, in terms of what he actually did, obviously a mistake. Um, and he's dealing with the repercussions of it, but you know, that's kind of about as much as I want to get into it again. Yeah, I never I viewed him as a, a Texas level yeah. prospect and I guess to uh, not add salt to the wound, but I've always been told he grew up wanting to play at OU and not liking Texas to begin with. So, um, you know, OU was a school he grew up rooting for and dreaming of playing at and yeah, so <laughs> that, that, that's all I'll say on that. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, you guys can go to, you know, they don't mention anybody's name in terms of who was disciplined or whatnot, but you know, the, the kid, I, I, where it started to really escalate for me where I'm like, all right, this is not that it's getting out of hand, but it's, you know, the cats out of the bag was yesterday when the text CB alludes to it in the chat. When the Texas players started tweeting out the KXAN story, I yeah. saw Xavier worthy do it. I saw Jonathan Brooks do it. Um, yeah. At that point, it's like, dude, all right, stuff is, yeah. Uh, it, it, whatever, whatever was in the bag is no longer in there. And you know, look, man, we all did dumb stuff when we were in high school. Everybody did. Uh, it's just sometimes you do things, and, and whether it was malicious or not, what's done is done. And like you said, Jordan, now you got to deal with the fallout from it. So hopefully, hopefully everybody involved winds up at the end of the day, a better person for what happened in this situation. That's what. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, we all make mistakes, um, especially at 16, 17 and 18. But, you know, ultimately there are lines you can't cross. Um, And, you know, we're where we are because those lines were crossed. So. Mm -hmm. So yep. The lesson I'm teaching my five-year-old, who will be six tomorrow, uh, your consequence, your uh, your your actions have consequences. So, yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's crazy. But that's like Jordan said. That's about pretty much all we want to get into that. So let's go ahead and uh, and move on. Um, it's t- t- tough to think about where we go from there. Uh, called the playoff expansion. That's been a pretty hot topic since. You want to you want to go playoff expansion or you want to go Chris Gilbert because those are kind of the two things that I I, I kind of wanted to get to. So I apologize. Yeah, well, my my fourteen year old dog is just meandering around the house right now. So I apologize you know, for the clicking of the nails. But you want to go Chris Gilbert or you want to go playoff expansion? Whichever one you want to well, go. We'll go playoff expansion first. Okay. So um, if you didn't see it, it was reported that. Uh, and I don't know, they have meetings, however, often in Dallas for the, the playoff committee. And, and yesterday's meeting, um, not that anything was finalized, but 
it was the first time it was discussed about expanding from 12 teams to 14 teams um, and adding new teams to to the bracket or whatnot. Uh, it seemed to spark some outrage on Twitter. Um, some people seem to be for it, but definitely the, the group of people that seem to be for it seem to be greatly outnumbered by the people against it. Uh, but I haven't really thought about where I lean in the situation, but if I did, I'd probably lean towards 12 just because, you know, I think 12 is a good number. And you make it any bigger, like, then we're on the verge of tearing college football apart, in my opinion, just because, like, we all know the teams that are going to be eligible to even have a chance at making this bracket each year. And it's like, I don't know. Like, how, how many postseason games can you play? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if you're going to do 14 – then it's going to get expanded. Like, dude, we got to have a cutoff, in my opinion. And I like 12 teams. I think 12 teams is good. Also, can we just get one year of playing 12 teams underneath us before we start talking about expanding? Like, I know it's not final, and I know if it was to be final, there'd probably be at least another year of, you know, putting everything together, finalizing the process. But, again, like, let's get one year of the 12-team format, like, under us before we can start talking about expanding it. Yeah, uh, so the selection committee decided on the 5-7 format. Uh, it says under the, the selection committee's release said, under the 12-team playoff format that begins this fall, the four highest-ranked conference champions will be seeded one through four, and each will receive first-round buys, while the team seeded five through 12 will play each other in the first round on the home field of the higher-ranked team. So, uh, yeah, you know, Jordan, I don't have an opinion on this one way or the other. I'm kind of with you. I, I, I thought once we got a taste of four, everybody's like, well, there's just too much money involved to not expand. It's just, do you go to eight? Do you go to 12? Do you go to 16? And where do you stop? What I really wish would happen is, and I don't think this is too outlandish of a suggestion. I think you really need to take your power schools, which it's the Big Ten and the SEC and anybody else that wants to join the party at this point separate those schools from the other fbs schools let your g5s let them have their own conference let their own national championship just like for years you separated fbs and fcs just add another division let them have their own championship and let big time power level college football be on its own that's the only thing i've said through this whole thing is let's stop trying to pretend that it's ever going to be equal let's stop trying to pretend that you're going to get one of these cinderella stories like you get in the basketball tournament because it's just that's not the way football works especially in an nil era and i think yeah i hate to cut you off but i think tcu showed us the greatest example of that the the cinderella story yeah the the one the one time i really think it would have been different I would have liked to have seen that 2014 TCU team get in the playoff because I felt like they were one of the four best teams in the country. And they went to the Peach Bowl and just beat a really talented Ole Miss team like they stole something. But outside of that, we're talking about one when Cincinnati made the playoff and got rolled by Alabama. Like it's just, there's, there's, it's never been more, it has been more unequal at times, but that, that separation the parity in college football, we're going to see less and less of it with NIL. I just think it's time to stop pretending that it's ever going to be anything close to equal or that it's fair to let, you know, like why why would you let, with all due respect, because I went to a school in this conference, why would you let a Sunbelt school into a 12-team playoff when you could add another SEC program 
that's going to up the ticket sales. It's going to up the eyeballs on TV. It's going to up the money involved. There's just too much money involved. There's too much at stake to not have basically NFL light in your college football playoff and, and in your upper level of big time college football. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. Um, and also I think like, look, there's going to be pros and cons of, uh, like a decision being made to, to split up the sport, but you know, eventually it has to happen. Um, and, and with what I said with TCU about them being a grand example, yes, I know they beat Michigan to end up getting steamrolled by Georgia, but I meant bringing them up as an example of showing like, even in a four-team playoff with Michigan and TCU, they weren't on the same level as Georgia. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's like there's levels to this shit at the end of the day. And, like, the Georgia SEC, all that is never going to be on the same level as Cincinnati or TCU or whoever, you know? They're mm-hmm. not. They're just not going to be. So it's like like you said, you know, would you rather sell more tickets have a better product uh, for everyone to watch or stream. It's more competitive. You get more people to the actual uh, venue or whatever. Would you rather have, you know, I don't know, put Florida State in the playoffs? We all know what would have happened. Or another, like, put a G5 school in the playoffs, like you said. They're going to get ran off the field. Yeah. At the end of the day, something has to happen. But, you know, we all know it's probably going to be a long time. And NCAA, they take their time with stuff. So, and that's even if they decide to do anything. But. You know, I, I like this, thinking about this, uh, our national side, Brad Crawford, they basically did a mock, like what a 12-team playoff, basically a projection for the 12-team playoff. How about a first-round matchup, Jordan, a first-round playoff game at DKR, Miami coming to Texas, the Longhorns hosting the Canes. Hmm. How's that grab you? Well, first, I got to look at Miami's schedule because I don't know how realistic it is for those guys. <laughs> also, just like, I, I don't know. Uh, first of all, one, you're at an advantage. Uh, a lot of people have differing opinions of the home playoff games. I think it's dope and only incentivizes the teams to, you know, have better seasons, obviously. But uh, I think that'd be great for Texas, you know, going up against a head coach who, you know, refuses to knee the ball and ends up losing because of it. <laughs> you know, I, like Sark, he's he's not gonna he's not gonna have a higher IQ than every single head coach he goes up against. But this one, we probably feel pretty good about. You know, oh, dude, I would in a mat in a head to head between Sark and Mario Cristobal, dude. I'm taking Sark six days a week and twice on Sunday. You know, it's yeah. Cristobal. Cristobal is gonna lose a game for some ignorant decision, just like. You know, when he was at Texas and even when he was at Houston, like, you know, you knew Tom Herman was going to lose to somebody during the year. He had no business losing to, right? It's going to be like just Maryland twice. Like, there's no, there was no reason for Texas to lose to Maryland. Uh, my, here's, and also, with, with the crazy shit about Chris Ball in Miami, that game that they lost because he wouldn't need the ball, yeah. someone went back and looked. Not a single time, at least, I don't know if he's changed since. Not a single time during his tenure in Miami had he once need the ball. Yeah, dude. There's a reason they call it the victory formation, Jordan, because you're going to get a victory if you just kneel the damn ball. Yeah. All right. So here's Miami's schedule. I don't want to. I didn't want to get too far into this, but just to give you an idea of what the Canes are up against uh, at Florida to open the year, that one's intriguing just because I'm intrigued anytime those three Florida powers play each other. 
You got Florida A&M, Ball State. At USF is interesting because it seems like any time a Power Five goes to USF, it, it it doesn't either doesn't end well or it's a real struggle. See Alabama last year. Uh, they got Virginia Tech at home at Cal. That's a oh, you know what? <laughs> at Cal for Miami is a conference game. Yeah, because Cal's in the, Cal's in the friggin' ACC now. Make that make sense? Uh, they're at Louisville, Florida State at home. Duke at Georgia Tech, by week Wake Forest, and at Syracuse. It's manageable. You know, uh, Florida State's out, probably their toughest game, but, I mean, at USF. So Miami could be a one-loss team. Yeah, they, they actually could. They they very well could. And maybe I, I just completely forget how dog shit the ACC is because it is. So it's so, like, like yeah, the two-team Pac-12 conference might have, like, a, a – <laughs> A higher, I don't know, talent per team or yeah. some shit than the ACC. It's just so bad. You know um, what, man? I And I say this with all due respect to the Baylor fans and the Texas Tech fans who may be watching and or listening. I'm kind of glad I don't have to pay attention to the Big 12 this year. Like, there's – sorry, I'm just not going to get too excited about Utah and Iowa State playing each other. Like, why, why should I care? doesn't really matter. Uh, and it's it's is it weird for me? Like I'm looking at uh, Brad's projected playoff, and I'm seeing like Utah is the four seed, and I'm like, oh, they're gonna win the Pac-12. I'm like, oh wait, no, Utah's in the Big Twelve now. So it's I got to get used to all this, man. It's gonna be it's gonna be nuts. But so basically, Brad's playoff is uh, projected playoff. Miami and Texas is the first round matchup with Texas as the five. The eight nine is Ole Miss at Michigan. The 11-6 is USF at Oregon. LSU at Notre Dame. Why does it feel like LSU and Notre Dame have played like 95 times in the last six years? No, LSU at Notre Dame uh, is also a first-round matchup. Quarterfinals, Utah against Texas in the Fiesta Bowl. Georgia LSU in the Peach Bowl. I guess maybe that would be a rematch of the S- a potential SEC championship game rematch back in Atlanta. Uh, Rose Bowl, Ohio State, Michigan in the Rose Bowl. Now, I know everybody thinks it would be wheels off for Ohio State, Michigan to play each other twice, potentially three times between the regular season, the Big Ten title game, and the playoff. But I would love this, man. You talk about they're getting rid of. I'm sorry, I haven't paid enough attention to Big 10 conference expansion, but they're getting rid of East and West. Yeah, Big Ten. Everybody's doing away with divisions at this point and just taking the top two. I the Rose Bowl to me is the greatest setting for a football game there ever possibly could be. And for Ohio State and Michigan, just to see like those two logos on that field together, that game to be played the, with those two, I would love to see that. And yeah, who's Bowl, saying no? <laughs> like <laughs> they, they play too much. Sorry. Yeah, dude. I like that's like uh and that's like saying, dude, Ali needs to fight somebody else besides Frazier. I've seen those guys fight. No, do I want to see that all the time? Give yeah. me that as much as humanly possible. Yeah. Like if somebody would have told you, hey, you could have Tyson Holyfield three. I'm like, uh, yes, yes, please bring it on. Like, give me, give me all the great matchups you want. It's weird how it's yeah. going back to these boxing matchups, but it's it's the same shit as like, and this, this is a hot topic in the press box at state, but Duncanville North Shore. People are so tired of seeing it, but I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, 
I, I dread the game the whole week because it's like it's just going to be like a boring kind of rock fight because that's how both teams play. Yeah. But it's like you get to warm ups and you see each other like the sides talking shit to each other. And it's like, OK, now, nah, like we're on again. Like we're going to do another another one, uh, another year of this. Yeah. But I always like the Duncanville North Shore matchup once we actually get to it, where most of the media is just like this with their arms crossed the whole game because they're tired of seeing the, the two teams Man. play. I, dude, I'm I'm 40 years old, man. I, my days of being cynical about this stuff are probably done, man. I I'm just gonna enjoy. I don't know how much longer I'm gonna do this, Jordan. I'm just gonna enjoy it while I can. Like I I will say this though for that Ohio State Michigan scenario, like being at the Texas OU Big 12 Championship game, I'm not, I wouldn't say it was bad. It was just weird. It was different because yeah. I'm so used to seeing that game. If you have a home and home series, it's probably not as weird as that traditional setting of that game in the cotton bowl and then seeing it at Jerry world. It just like, I, that's a game that I don't need that game to be sanitized. Right. I don't need that game to be, you know, just played in like just this pristine stadium. Like, no man, I like going on the fairgrounds and you smell like, you know, fryer oil and, you know, cow crap and just all this different smell just hits you right in the nose. Straight and, vibes. And let's be honest, man. Dude, the Cotton Bowl. I love the Cotton Bowl, man. The Cotton Bowl's a dump for all intents and purposes, but yep. it's it's one hell homie. of a dump. It's, it's a dump I hold. In, it's a dump I hold in high regard. You know. Yeah, uh, I'm comfortable that, there. What? I'm comfortable there. I think a lot of other people are too. Like, I, yeah. I, I see every year like all these Texas fans like bitching and moaning, like, Fair Park isn't a safe place. Like, the sun's out. Come on. And also, like, I eventually I can't see any way they don't move it to Jerry World or to somewhere else just think, because, again, it's yeah. such a dump. But they need to keep it there as long as they possibly can. Yeah. You can't let happen to what happened to the Iron Bowl, man. The Iron Bowl. The Iron and I never really got to experience this as a fan watching it on TV. But the Iron Bowl, when it was at Legion Field, like you watch when those when Alabama Auburn played in Birmingham, it just seemed like there was that extra added juice to it. Like even Florida Georgia in Jacksonville, like don't don't take that thing home at home. Like it's I hate that they for politically correct reasons I guess they can't call it the world's largest outdoor cocktail party anymore. But that's what it is. And honestly, man, my my thing with taking and i know it's going to happen so i might as well just break the seal on it now at some point this offseason somebody's going to suggest hey why not make texas OU a night game it's never been about whatever you might say about fair park it's i can't give those two fan bases all day to on drink. the fairgrounds <laughs> to drink and have you know if there's a crowd of 92.5 and there's another thirty thousand outside you're probably talking about 60, 70,000 drunk people walking around the fairgrounds and doing it at night and trying to leave the stadium. Like it's just, that's a recipe for disaster. And also like we've all been to fair park. Like it's really, really hard to get in and out of there in like a timely manner. Yeah. It's like, if something was to go down, you know, knock on wood, nothing ever bad happens. It's impossible to get that many people out of there in time. It just is. So like the game should always be at 11 or two or it it has to be at least before two that's one Um, that you know no matter what i i i complain about the 11 o'clock kickoff until it's game day yeah you know it's like for me man it's it's almost like waking up christmas morning for texas ou because i'll wake up i'll stay in a hotel i usually try to stay in arlington just because it's way cheaper 
and mm-hmm. staying close to Dallas. When I wake up like 5 36 o'clock Saturday morning, and it's like I'm like kind of groggy, and then you wake up and you're like, realize, Oh man, it's, it's Texas OU day, and it, I'm just all excited and giddy. Now, granted, by like six, seven o'clock that night, I'm you know driving home trying to keep my eyes open because I'm tired at that point. But man, I just I'll I hope that game never leaves. But back to my point that I made like 45 minutes ago. The 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 Big Twelve Championship game. Did you go to that, by the way? Or did your parents go or anybody you know go? My my parents were there. Okay. Oh wait, it, no, no, no. No, they weren't because I watched the game with them. <laughs> yeah. I was, I don't I don't want to say it was bad. It was just different. Like I said, I don't want that corporate buttoned up stuffy feel for texas yeah. OU. no michael c we know we're kind of shitting on the cotton bowl but everything we're shitting on the cotton bowl for is what makes it so special to yeah. us yeah so that's why we don't we we kind of like the shitty experience if you really think about it it's kind of um, like uh man the cotton man the cotton bowl you think of the cotton bowl like everybody's had that uh that one vehicle in your life that like it's old and it's kind of decrepit and everybody's telling you man get a new vehicle like look at it it ain't the best i'm like it works fine it gets me from point a to point b it's all reliable it's never broken down on me it's easy to fix it might be an eyesore it might be unsavory i might like go to lake travis for a recruiting deal and have the worst looking vehicle in the parking lot but i don't care i love this vehicle yeah and and like also if they're ever going to move the Texas OU game from the Cotton Bowl, they have to keep the same standards and also move the State Fair Classic and all the other games that are played there in a, in tradition around that time of the year. Yeah, because you can't just take one. If you're if you're going to do that and mess up tradition, you got to do it with all of them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and CB, you mind fucked me by reading your "I Love 9 A.M. Kickoffs" just because I've never ever <laughs> like even thought about that. But man. Yeah. Uh, you know one of the coolest high school football playoff experiences I've ever had? Hmm. I covered a playoff game. It was West Mesquite. Barf. <laughs> I want to say it was like West Mesquite, maybe McKinney North when Ronald Jones was there. Hmm. Maybe I think that, that was a playoff game. I don't remember. But it was it was a night game at the Cotton Bowl, and it was raining. And Ugh. um. Like I wish I wish I could like somewhere I've got the picture and I'll get it printed out at some point, but it's raining and I'm walking down that tunnel. I'm making that walk down the tunnel and all I see is like, cause you know, like dude, 2000 people in the cotton bowl to quote Jim Cornette. It looks like a piss hole in a snowbank. Like it, it, it's, it's nothing. Right. So it looks like I'm walking into an empty stadium. I hear the crowd, I hear crowd noises, but all I see is this game going on and it's raining and I'm walking down the cotton bowl tunnel. I'm like, man, if I could just like make time stop for one minute and somebody asked me like, man, what makes football great? Like, dude, this is that just encapsulated it for me right there. Like this is a, this is a situation where anybody else would be like, I'd much rather be inside right now where it's warm and not raining. And I'm like, dude, this is heaven. Like I died and went to heaven right now. Like this is the greatest thing ever. The visual was just amazing. man. So yeah, I can't any rate, even imagine anything else but, you wanted to say, Jordan, on playoff expansion. I think I've said my piece. No, but uh, you know, the way this show feels cotton, the cotton bowl should always be at the cotton bowl. Uh, or the Texas OU game should always be at the Cotton Bowl, I should say. Yeah. Um, take it home but, and home. Take it home and home. Yeah. If we're, if it's either, you know, 
no more Cotton Bowl and go to Jerry World or make it home and home. Uh, there should be a hundred out of a hundred votes for home and home. Man, uh, I, I really like you. I think if you want to see a Texas crowd, just like <laughs> some vitriol, dude. Let the first time if the, if that game ever went home and home, the first time OU came to Austin, you might actually see for one of the few times like a Texas crowd that is juiced to the freaking gills for a football game. Yeah, like man, the 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 2022 Alabama home game is always talked about as like probably the best home experience or home atmosphere that that this staff has had in their tenure. I'd assume either that one or yeah. the the Black it was Black Friday, right? The TCU game last year in 2022 that they ended up losing. Uh no, that, that wasn't one, uh... That was that environment. I mean, it had a crazy load. That was the best recruiting visitor list they had all year. Yeah, was the TCU game in twenty twenty two. There was there was some games. Uh, you know, the Tech game this year got yeah. to that point a little bit. That was. But, but that if, was if Oklahoma ever came to town, the roof of that place is gone. And it'll admit, be the same whenever A and M comes to town in twenty twenty five. And that that to me is the best thing about that rivalry coming back is. Man, Jordan, you you barely have recollections of Texas and Texas ain't even playing each other. Like, what were you eight when that thing stopped being played? Man, I remember watching the the last one uh, with McCrary and when he holds the kick or whatever, and yeah. ended up, you know, we to, I told that story multiple times, but um, yeah, I really don't have a, a ton of memories there. And I'm sorry, I just the nine a.m. kickoff shit is kind of blowing my mind. Like, I've never had to think about. <laughs> <laughs> that and like i want to ask y'all like because like waking up at you know 10 50 because usually i get back home at like 2 a.m the night before driving from whatever high school game but waking up at 11 and watching college football to like 1 a.m my time because the pac 12 after dark is great but like how is it where it's more of a normal schedule from 9 to like 11 instead of 11 to like 1 a.m i guess yeah, like, like being an East Coast, if you're if you live on the East Coast and you're a college football fan, that's gotta suck. Yeah. You know, your games yeah. don't start till noon. Then you if you if you're doing what are we gonna have with no Pac 12? What's gonna replace Pac 12 after dark? Are we getting like Mountain West after dark? Man, I I really don't know, but Pac 12 after what? dark starting at like seven o'clock is so funny to me. Between Arizona, Arizona State, BYU, Utah, Colorado, it might be Big 12 after dark. Yeah, wake up at 4 a.m. Listen, damn, you're really committed, CB. I wouldn't even be doing that. 9 a.m. beers hit different. Yeah, <laughs> I shit. You know, probably a, a lot more fun when the wife's still asleep and can't yell at you or something. Back when, uh, back in my single days when I enjoyed uh, Texas OU as a single man, and the 11 o'clock kickoff rolled around. Forget the 9 a.m. beer. Back in back in that day, I'm talking like 7 a.m. shots. Like you're just... <laughs> I okay, the... okay, Jeff. Huh? I said, okay, Jeff. Someone said, just moved to Colorado. Die on the hill that Mountain Standard Time, the best time zone to watch sports. Look, I, one thing I've noticed, why are all the top marquee, maybe this is just me getting more into the sport as a casual, mm-hmm. but why are all the top college basketball matchups starting at 8 o'clock Central Time? Like that's dumb as hell to me. I don't know, man. That's that's weird. It should be it should be like five and seven our time. Yeah, you know, like if yeah. you play a game at six Eastern, it should be fine. Yeah, 
Wake and bake and bloody Mary kickoff. Yeah, y'all, y'all West Coast guys do it differently. <laughs> the uh the 2005 Texas OU game, Jordan. I started drinking Goldschlager at like 6:30 that morning because I knew that was the end. That was the end of the five in a row streak OU had. I knew it was going to end that day. And the last the last cognitive thought I remember was uh, Ramont's Taylor catching that touchdown on the first drive. That was the last thing I vividly remember where I had all my faculties about me. And after that, it was just let out a lot of frustration that day. Yeah. Monday night football, Sunday night starts at 515. I can't even imagine that either. At least like I'm sure y'all's sleep schedules are much better than ours. Um, Man, you you don't live in a world where Monday night football is a big thing. You've never lived in that world. For me, it's Sunday night football has always felt like. I'd rather go out of my way to watch that than anything else. Because by week. the time you started watching football, the NBC got the the Sunday night game. Yeah, when John Madden moved to NBC. Yep. Yeah, I know we've talked about broadcasts or whatever, but another reason I like NBC the most on Sunday night is just Collinsworth and that whole crew. They're they're my favorite to to watch NFL game. Does it matter who the play by play guy is, whether it's Tariko or Al Michaels, whoever it's been? Uh. That look, so many guys who work in sports are total snobs about broadcasters. Unless you're like a total jag off and just are being horrible, <laughs> like whoever the hell was on the call for the Texas Iowa State game. Like I, I'll specifically will remember bad broadcasters. Like again, whoever was doing Iowa State Texas this year. But most of the time, I'm pretty. I really don't notice one way or another if they're having a bad or good day on the call. Um, but just that, you know, as long as Collinsworth is there, I'm a, I, I like Collinsworth more than anyone else. So was that a Lowell Galindo game? Did Lowell and Adrian Branch? Yeah, have it, was, it was Fox Sports one. I'm pretty sure is a Fox game. Oh, you're talking about, uh, you're talking about football, the football game. I thought you were talking about the basketball game. Oh, no, nah, no. Nah. Football. Man, I, I don't remember who had that game. Yeah. Fox, Fox has some, you get some, you get like the Fox C team and you're getting, uh, you're getting pretty far down on the run. I'll tell you what, man, my favorite play-by-play guy, and I don't know if it's just because I played way too much of the video game back in the day, mm-hmm. but whenever Brad Nestler's calling the game, I feel like I'm about to watch a big-time college football game. If Brad Nestler's doing play-by-play, I'm about to watch a really big game. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, since we only got 18 minutes left and um, you know we're not going to have our show tomorrow, uh, Jeff, I forgot you have something going on. And then I'm, I'm going to go have Houston. lunch with my daughter on her birthday, yeah. Oh, dope, dope. Sorry. I, I had just forgotten yeah. what it was. I'm uh I'm gonna be in Houston doing a uh, Shadow Creek school visit. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll do a little bit of redirecting. Uh maybe maybe Hank and Eric tomorrow. I don't know. Still okay. I'm trying to work on that. Got it. Grant, I saw you had asked about the LT peanut situation. Um, can't tell if you're being sarcastic or whatnot, but if you are serious, let's go back to the the top of the show. We we kind of addressed it and that's I kind of I think we just want to leave it at that. We don't want to talk about it any more than we have to. Um, but let's get into let's get into Chris Gilbert. You know, sure. Yeah. He's announced yesterday he's gonna be the special assistant to uh, the head coach. That's the official title, right? I didn't butcher mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um originally I saw it was reported by uh football scoop, he'd be assistant GM, and they it later was announced it'd be uh special assistant to the head coach. So a uh, big deal, big deal that Chris Gilbert's back. Um, I know probably a lot of people are going to be like, you know, why is this important? Uh, it's very important. One, uh, Chris Gilbert was a founding member, I guess, of the, the Sarkeesian staff at Texas, mm-hmm. one of the inaugural members. 
as the uh, director of high school relations, which is currently Jamal Fenner's job. Uh, he coached or not coach held the position for uh, all good grant. Don't worry about it. Um, he held the position at Texas for about uh, two seasons or two years, however long it was until uh, the Eric Morris staff at North Texas started to get put together. Uh, whenever they were put together, they hired, um, they hired Chris Gilbert to come be their tight ends coach. And he also got the associate head coach title, which is pretty important. That's a, that's a big pay raise. And also, you know, that helps with getting up the coaching ladder, even though to, to fans, it won't mean much. Uh, an associate head coach title really does mean a lot in the coaching world. Yeah. So it's important that he won or not important. It's notable. He was able to go from director of high school relations to an associate head coach title. Yeah. I know it's a G five school, but it's still notable. Um, and then he did one season there. Uh, they replaced him with Jamal Fenner. And then, you know, news broke yesterday. They had hired him back to the staff in a different role. And, you know, like I said, this time to be a special assistant to the head coach. Um, Chris Gilbert and his two years in Austin was, you know, one of the most important figures on the whole staff behind the scenes, at least. Uh, he was monumental in the 2023 class, especially. Uh, I've I believe Mike Roach has wrote about it before, but. At the end of the day, Anthony Hill is not at Texas if Chris Gilbert wasn't on the staff. Yeah, uh, Anthony Hill has even said that on record himself um, in interviews with me. So, I it, it, very important uh, part of the staff that's back in Austin. Um, mostly, you know, he's recruiting. That was his past role as director of high school relations. Your job is pretty much to you know maintain relationships with high school coaches, specifically the ones in the in the Lone Star State. And you're also, you know, since you're off-field staff, you're a member of the the recruiting staff. So, you know, you're working on guys as the secondary recruiter, kind of like how Brandon Harris does. Um, in some cases, even in Anthony Hill's case, you know, Jeff Choate was technically his position coach. Sarkeesian was big in or big on that recruitment as well. But, you know, ultimately, Chris Gilbert was the main guy who Anthony Hill would talk to throughout that whole process. And Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people have asked, you know, how's Jamal Fenner been, in my opinion, compared to Chris Gilbert? And, um, you know, one, they're two completely different people. But also, it seems like if Gilbert was much more focused on recruiting, whereas, yeah. you know, Fenner is more so organizational stuff from the stuff of the THSCA. I have a buddy in, in the Texas High School Coaches Association who this isn't any shot to Chris Gilbert, but they had just said it, they felt as if things that were running a little smoother with Texas with with Fenner at the helm and a big part of both that person brought up, they, they happen to coach at a high school that produces a fair amount of prospects. Mm -hmm. So they, they understood that Gilbert's job was effectively to be more so of a recruiter than someone who maintains relationships with the high schools. Um, but still, you know, him, him coming back and being on the staff is a humongous addition. Um, and, you know, they, they added Kenny Baker, uh, they added Johnny Nansen, they added William Gay and, and Akina for a second. Um, <laughs> but uh, outside of Akina, I think this is this is the most important hire to me. Just because of what he's going to give you in recruiting. Again, Anthony Hill isn't a Texas Longhorn without Chris Gilbert. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of other players who will say the same thing. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember every single recruitment he was super involved with. But I do know Anthony Hill. I remember uh, he's being on Samaje Burrell and, you know, all, all the I-20 yeah. guys. And a little bit about Chris Gilbert uh, before he got to Texas. He was a longtime coach at Lancaster. I believe he was there over a decade. Um, and I believe he was also – I know he took him to state, but I'm pretty sure he was the first person to ever take Lancaster all the way to the state championship games. Yep, he so was. 
he he really did turn that program around. And also with him before Lancaster, he was coaching at Sock. Um, and I can't remember. I'm pretty sure Chris Gilbert uh, left for Lancaster before Emmett Jones got the job at Sock. Right? It was it the other Ye- way around. Ooh, mm, I can't remember, but. Uh, does it directly affect him? No, no, no. Uh, Gilbert got the Lancaster job before Emmett got the South Oak Cliff job. Yes. Okay. Got it. I'll just answer uh, Antoine's question. Does that directly affect the Emmanuel Choice recruitment? Uh, you know, I don't think it'll hurt for sure because, you know, he coached at Lancaster. He's a legend in that community. But, you know, at the same time, Emmanuel Choice has never attended Lancaster where Chris Gilbert was the head coach. So, um, and if you want to go back to the last time. Chris Gilbert was coaching at Lancaster. It would have been the 2020 season. So that means uh, if Emmanuel is a junior, um, he would have been in the eighth grade the last time Chris Gilbert was coaching at, if I did the math correctly. Uh, the last time Chris Gilbert was coaching at Lancaster, Emmanuel Choice is in the eighth grade. So, uh, you know, I really don't know how much it'll affect it. Also, with Emmanuel and really important thing about his recruitment is that Oklahoma offered him before anyone else did and by a long stretch. Um, and Emma Jones, who also, like we said, talked about coach at sock at one point, uh, he's now the receivers coach at Oklahoma. So he's, he's been doing a lot of the dirty work in that recruitment. And um, pretty much everyone I talked to seems to think that Oklahoma has uh, the best foot forward right now, but you know, everyone admits there's a long way to go there. So, you know, I'm interested to see how much Chris Gilbert is going to, I guess, change the the course of Emmanuel Choice's recruitment. But um, with where he is on the board and, you know, the other receivers that are in play for in 2025, I'm not entirely sure, you know, how big of a focus that will that will be for Chris Gilbert or the rest of the staff. So. Yeah. Um, I, I've, I'm interested to see exactly what role he falls into. We know he's going to be involved in recruiting, and I think this role will allow him to do that. I, I, the other thing is when you look at the three – special assistant Sark had last year and he he might want to do it differently this year I don't know maybe there was something about the setup that he thought could be improved or whatever but last year he had Paul Christ he had Payam Sadat and he had Jody Camillus and Sadat pretty much worked with PK on the defensive side Paul Christ worked with the offensive side and then Jody Camillus yeah he worked with Jeff Banks on special teams but he was also Sark's game management guy like if you if you saw Sark during a game you know Jody Camillus was right there with him I wonder if that's more so the role between Chris Gilbert and Jamal Fenner, if that's the role they can play and kind of help him be Sarks, you know, helping him manage the clock and timeouts and down and distance, whatever. Because uh, if you if you look too, along with Jody Camillus, Jamal Fenner was typically right there with Sark. I think you'll see Chris Gilbert be that guy. So what exact role he falls into, I think it could be a whole lot more than just recruiting. Yeah, um, and – I know in, in Jamal Fenner's role, you know, whenever they cut to Sark on the sideline, we usually kind of see him in the same uh, in the same shot or whatnot, right next to Sark. I do know during practices, at least during the media availabilities, when we're out there, and also in talking to sources, that Jamal Fenner works with the running backs, kind of as Tashar Choice's assistant, um, where he'll be out there working them out during the uh, again the media availabilities, like in fall camp. I, I remember seeing him out there, um, and then also, you know. Uh, Choice and Fenner, they, they travel together whenever they go and speak at uh, mm-hmm. THCA stuff. I know Fenner's traveling with everyone, but uh, he spends a lot of time around Choice, and he's kind of shadowing him. Um, 
And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised with, with Fanner or not Fanner, uh, Gilbert. Uh, I don't even know if it's possible with his role and what all comes with being the special assistant to the head coach. But, you know, with him coaching tight ends at North Texas this past season, maybe he shadows Jeff Banks a little bit, you know. He could. And, you know, maybe maybe the, I, I'm jump, I'm way jumping to conclusions here, but maybe this is, hey, let Chris Gilbert kind of figure out the ins and outs of not that he doesn't already know him, but maybe just be in line to if Jeff Banks does get a head coaching job at some point, there's your new tight ends coach. Yeah, no, exactly. And, uh, you know, a lot of people that the, the director of high school relations job specifically at Texas um, is an interesting topic amongst coaching circles um, in the state. Cause a lot of guys, they want to end up coaching in college and, a lot of them view that role as kind of a stepping stone to getting an on-field coaching job. Yeah. Um, I remember I spent a lot of time at OBJ uh, whenever Coach Fenner was there. Um, and, you know, it always seemed like that was the job he brought up is wanting, um, even when he was still coaching LBJ. He wanted to, you know, work with coaches in the state. I think he eventually does want to get on-field, but I think that's way further down the road and something that's in the back of his head for yeah. sure. Um, so that's, that's different. What, the reason I bring that up is because that's different than a lot of other guys who would have tried to get that job. Um, so that said, Fenner brings a lot of security because I don't see him leaving unless it was an internal promotion at Texas. Well, I mean, if you think about it, I don't know where coach Fenner lived, how far long it took him to get to work, but probably didn't have to move. He's just working 15 minutes down the road from LBJ. Yeah, man. Yeah. Lanier, uh, yeah, Lanier. I assume that's – I've never had to say it out loud, I don't think, because no one really comes out of Lanier for football. Well, yeah, it, it's uh, – it's. I think it's Navarro now, Navarro. Oh, I don't know how you pronounce it. But got it. It's one of those name changes. I told you, man, I had somebody get all kinds of mad at me when I called uh, – I called Northeast when I called it Reagan. Like people, were, people in Austin were mad. I'm like, sorry for – 30-something years it's been Reagan High School. So. Yeah, and it's like uh, all the people who go to Reagan or who went there call it Reagan to this day. So <laughs> just like I remember – this is funny. Uh, I was in a – this I was in the elevator at Globe Life Field, which is funny because we were talking about Globe Life Field sometime this week on the Yo, show. Yep. Going up the elevator, someone had just asked me, you know, that was this was the 2021 season, so this is now I was doing strictly just photography, videography only. And they were asking me, you know, who are you here to shoot or look after? And it was a triple header that day. It was Cedar Hill and Tyler Legacy, the first game. Um, DeSoto and Rockwall, the second game. And the third game was Midland Legacy and South Lake Carroll. And that was right before the first game. So I'd said, you know, I'm doing this game, this game, and this game. And the person, like, kind of lost their shit on me because I called Midland Lee Midland Legacy. <laughs> and I was like, it's not that serious. It's just not that serious. And, like, like you, you know exactly what the hell I meant. It's not that serious. And there's what a, I don't like, get. It was changed also for a reason. What so, I don't get, this is the part that, like, I figure the name changes had to be like an all or nothing deal, right? Exactly. Change the name, but you're still the rebels. Yeah. No, that's like Hayes was smart about 
rebranding to the Hayes Hawks, right? Mm-hmm. That's what they are. Yeah, yeah. That, that was a smart move. Uh, Derek Strait and Sonny Davis. Yeah, even even then. But isn't uh, Travis High School, is Travis still the Rebels? I don't know. I've never even known what Travis's mascot is because I don't. They don't... <laughs> oh, man. Shout out I to know, Frank Martinez. These Travis. are these are the Austin ISD schools whose mascots I can name. LBJ, they're the Jags. McCallum, they're the Knights. Um, shit. Who is a uh... – I saw Cedric Alexander break the Austin ISD all-time rushing record and touchdown record versus this team. But I forgot – they had a kid sign of tech this year, too. I'm about to lose my mind, dude. Crockett, Crockett, Crockett. Mm-hmm. I forgot what Crockett's mascot is, though. <laughs> but, no, nah, I'm probably not going to remember. I don't know. I Crockett's could probably only name about half of the Austin ISD schools. Crockett's the Cougars. Yeah. Shout out to uh, Joe Franklin. Oh, Lassa. Yeah. They don't have football anymore, but they're the Raptors. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the McCallum uh, Knights. Maynard New Tech. Uh, they're not Austin. They're not Austin they, they play in that district a little bit. How much does it piss you off when uh, when people try to say Westlake is Austin ISD or call it Austin Lake Travis? Look, it's it. I'm I have OCD, so like I lose. I, I don't lose my shit, but it does bother me whenever, like for example, anytime a national writer writes about a Texas kid, they have no they have no clue, so they don't yeah. know. But like Wilt Fong. All the time. And he'd write about uh, Micah Hudson. It'd be Temple, parentheses, Texas, Lake Belton. Yeah. And it's like no one calls it Temple Lake Belton. Yeah. It's, there's only one Lake Belton in the whole country. Just call it Lake Belton. Yeah. Um, and, like, it's the same. Another uh, one that's hilarious to me is uh, for Ridge Point. We, I, we talked about this this week, too. But yeah, the fact that people ISD. say Sugar Land, parentheses, Texas, Fort Bend, Ridge Point. Like it's just Fort Bend Rich Point. Um, yeah. But no, Austin Westlake, I understand it just because there's so many Westlakes across the country. So I do understand it. But like if it's a someone who only covers the state of Texas, like just say just say Westlake. Um and for Lake Travis, yeah. like you can like for example, if I was to ever write about a kid from Lake Travis, I would just say Lake Travis. If yeah. I was to ever write about a kid from Westlake, though, I'd say Austin Westlake. Because it that is a little sense. different. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's only one sense. Lake Travis. There's a few West Lakes. Um, the one that like in the one in the Austin area that like bothers me for some reason is when people call because it's a Leander ISD school. And people are like, well, Leander Vandergriff. It's like Vandergriff's and Steiner Ranch. Like, hey, yeah, ain't nothing Leander well, about Vandergriff. Yeah, well, not Steiner Ranch, but four points. But whatever. Yeah, yeah. no, it does yeah. always blow my mind that it is a Leander ISD because I always assume it's single ISD. Um, but, but yeah, and thing that always messes me up about Vandegrift too, anytime the good thing is like, they kind of will have their hot streaks of producing kids. It's not like they're a powerhouse. Um, but anytime I I look up or type Vandegrift, I have to double check. I'm spelling it correctly with or without the R, uh, (laughs) after Vanda. So Vandegrift. Yep. But. Shout out to Drew Sanders, by the way. Good dude. Um, so yeah, that's the, the I, I pretty much got nothing else to add on the Chris Gilbert front. I mean, I I you know, you laid out the recruiting stuff. I just want to see what role he's in and how Sark reworks the staff with trying to replace those again, man. Those special assistant jobs that you should have some churn there, you know. The interesting thing, man, it's 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 kind of shocking to me that Paul Christ is 
is back for another year. I mean, either he didn't get the the head coaching jobs that he offers that he wanted, or maybe he's just content to, you know, collect. I, I'm assuming he's still getting mailbox money from Wisconsin and just kind of do his thing Dude. at Texas and just hang out. And yeah, I bet he loves it because you know damn well he's not recruiting anybody. <laughs> no, so no. Well, one one time I met Paul Christ was actually he was recruiting a kid in Arlington several many years ago. Many years ago, it's probably about. Dude. 12, 13 years ago now. Do you remember who it was? It was Russell Bellamy. He ended up at Michigan. He was quarterback at Arlington Martin. Ugh. Man, the covering kids out of the Arlington schools is like the worst. It was me, Bob Wager, and Paul Christ watching film in Coach Wager's office of Russell Bellamy. Yeah, you 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 had a little different being so OG, but most people's uh, stories about Bob Wager, um, not not super positive. At least guys in media. Man, the two two guys that like I, I hear stories, and I'm just like, I got along with those guys great. Like I said, is Coach Wager and then uh, Jack Welch at Copper's Cove. Got along mm-hmm. with both of them great. Never had a problem with either one of them. I, yeah. I liked them. They liked me for. All I knew, so I had to, I had fun times going to both those places. Like I said, that was what go, going to Arlington Martin, hanging out with Coach Wager. That's where I saw shirtless shirtless Miles Garrett in like thirty degree weather doing sprint work on his own, not knowing that one day this guy's going to be the number one draft pick in the NFL Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah, man, uh, it's always cool to like remind yourself, like being at Under Armour Atlanta. I remember thinking to myself like. There's about 200 kids here. The, the chances are that probably about 40 of these dudes are going to be in the league minimum like yeah. that. And then like the thoughts like, damn, I love my job. <laughs> but because uh, like shit like this is cool, man. It's a big part of why I wanted to get into it. Um, yeah. I, I enjoy that part of it. So I told you, man, I got I got my Des Bryant story. I got all kinds of stories from my time doing this. So. That's what makes it fun. As soon as Trey and BK hop on here, I got to get rolling because I got some stuff yeah. I got to do for my daughter's birthday tomorrow. And then we got the party on Saturday. Mm. So um, how old is she turning? Six. Six, mm. man. Wow. Yeah. Wowza. Have you, uh, I know this is off top from the daughter thing, but have you ever thought about, you know, whenever you're finally done, uh, you know, working every day in this job, putting out a, a book or something? You know, where like you actually like for me, I think it would be really cool one day to. And honestly, I might have to like (laughs) have it be released as I'm actually dying. So I can't like face any of the repercussions. But like everything that was in the behind the scenes for our story isn't 100 percent of what we actually know of. You know what I mean? And it's like the tell all post 30 years later. I think that would be dope. Um, yeah, I uh, I don't think I have the attention span, Jordan, to do something like that. To be honest, I just don't think I do. Yeah, it'd or be a lot of note taking too, because you're gonna forget. Yeah. So, BK, I don't know. You think you'd ever write a book, BK? No, I can't write. I'm illiterate. Yeah. That why you prefer the spoken word? That's why I prefer the spoken word. I was the journalism major who couldn't stand writing. Didn't go too well for me in college. Yeah. Um Trey, you're you're you were a journalism major, right, Trey, or a mass comm major, I assume. 
Oh, oh Trey, you're muted. There's something wrong with your mic. Not a technology major, clearly. <laughs> RTF. It's been zero days since I've made a mistake on the technical side of things, and that unfortunately started this morning too. No, I was not a mass comm or journalism major, Jeff, at UT because my GPA wasn't good enough. It was good enough at Texas Tech for the year and a half I was there, but then I started to take the classes that I dreaded at Texas, and it was just hanging on for dear life until I ultimately dropped out altogether. Were you uh, in interdisciplinary studies major, just the generic? American studies, you're close. American studies is what I settled on. What is that? Studies of America, motherfucker. <laughs> you know uh, You know what's funny is... Is uh, you can watch a football game or a basketball game and figure out real quick is kind of the the BS major you're just putting guys in just to keep them eligible. Like I remember watching an Oklahoma game one year. It wasn't a Texas game. It was a non-conference game, and I'm like, man, like pretty much the entire OU starting defense, they're all majoring in African American studies. And then like I'm watching it. I remember during a Texas basketball game, it was early childhood education. Like Damian James, DJ Augustine, Justin, all these guys are early childhood education majors. I'm like, wow, does everybody else team plan on being kindergarten teachers when they're done? That and kinesiology. It's like, yeah. oh yeah, you're just you're just trying to find the least path to resistance. And I don't fault you for that either. Cause if you're not gonna be uh, a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or something like that, that undergrad degree. Did I know it, that it checks a box for a lot of jobs that it people does. apply for. It, it is not helping you out nearly as much as we were led to believe as kids as an yeah. adult. I told Jordan, like, dude, unless you just want to go to school, like, dude, you don't need a degree to do what you're doing. Like, it's totally fine. Don't saddle yeah. yourself with tens of thousands of dollars of debt just to hang yeah. a piece of paper on the wall. <laughs> I think, Jeff, I've told you my story of uh, the Baylor recruit telling me what his major was, but have y'all heard it? No. Okay, so this was – after the 20 he was a 2023 kid uh class of 2023 and his team went to state in 2022 they ended up winning i'm interviewing him in like the bellies of at&t stadium uh you know last interview before he's going to enroll in a few weeks and you know i'm just asking the regular questions whatever what are you excited about getting to baylor and you know what are you majoring in uh and he would literally was like uh like the like stretching and shit and I was like, what? Like, <laughs> like, what? Like kinesiology? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I couldn't remember the word or how to say it. Yeah, that's it. And I was like, oh, okay. What are you excited about learning that? I really don't know a lot. They just suggested that. So, was, okay. <laughs> this isn't getting included. <laughs> but. Oh. Yeah, so that that's how that's all these guys fantastic. end up with the same majors. Is they're not in the Cardell Jones tweet? They're not going to school to uh, play they class. They're yeah. going to play football. Yeah, but so. Cardell Jones was a quarterback at the. Uh, this guy, <laughs> is this guy, good. Like, is he going to be? An he, he actually player? is. He actually he got okay. a lot of uh, freshman playing time at Baylor and is going to be one of their better players next year. So. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you if you've got a future on Sundays playing football, then you can get away with yeah. that. But if not, you might want to at least know the name of your major guy. Yeah. 
imagine the <laughs> like they say it and on the the degree just stretching and shit. It's like like hey, like Jordan, we zoomed in on one of your degrees one day and we saw it says stretching and shit from Baylor University. God. Is that it's like yep, yep. Man, I, I realized kind of the what the deal is with college when I told my uh your your guidance counselor or whatever, I'm like, yeah, I need a you know I'm getting married. I just need to figure out what credits I need to get out of here ASAP. And basically then they put me on a degree plan that it's like, so basically you eliminated like 18 credit hours that I was going to have to take for no particular reason at all. And I can get out of here with 120. Yeah. That sounds a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Significantly better. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you'll just be a generic mass comm major. I, I, I don't really care at this point. BK, if you want some help reading, my daughter's got these readers that her kindergarten teacher gives her that we go over with her. I can send a couple of them your way. I, I could yeah. use that, but also, is she learning cursive? Do kids still learn cursive? Uh, not yet. Not mm. yet. She's still learning Shit. how to print. Uh, I, if you, my third grader is learning cursive right now. So, yes, yeah. for some reason, they're still teaching cursive. That's about the age where it happens, third grade. Yeah. yeah the uh, only time I use cursive is on the signature. Exactly. <laughs> That's it. That's it. So, yeah, they should just cursive on how to write your name and it's a one day class. <laughs> well, it's like calligraphy used to be taught in schools and they thankfully stopped that at some point prior to the 1980s because that was a colossal waste of time for people. Pinning things like you were living in the 1800s and writing letters that were going to have to travel by horse to whoever they were being sent to. Trust me, as a as a sports card collector, I've seen some of these autographs that guys have. It's clear they don't teach cursive in school mm. anymore. No, they just put their letters or just whatever they think I saw, of. I think the worst one was Cam Reddish, where I saw Cam Reddish autograph. It was just a line, just a line drawn. Yeah, just a straight line. That's yeah. it. That's where it's nice. Like Jeff, you have this too to have a really, a really easy first letter of the first and last name. So you can yeah. do the first letter, like I do T, and then it's just kind of a squiggle to the end, and I do the the Y loop. Yeah, Elling is same thing. Big E squiggle G at the end. Do a do some loops for the E for the LL after the E. Yeah. It's uh, it's very sloppy. Yeah. yeah. B, BK, how's the writing thing going? You. I don't know. On all those iPads, I just I do the cam reddish line. You know, you're supposed to you pay, insert your credit card into some tablet, and then it asks you for a signature. I'm not actually signing my name there. It's just a little boom, and then we're out. On that note, I think I'm out. I got to go do some stuff for my daughter's birthday party this weekend. So oh, I nice. See you guys. I'll see you guys on Monday. I won't be here tomorrow. So. same oh, hold on hold on what's going on with the birthday this weekend so we're doing i'm going to have lunch with my daughter tomorrow and then we got the party on saturday what's the party <sighs> wife and i asked her she she wanted to do a mermaid swim party last year and she wanted to do the same thing this year we're like you, know, you can change it up and it's like we have no problem going to the same place we went to last year but you know you want to change it up she's like no i want to do the same thing mm. All right, it's easier for us. So indoor swim pool. Yeah, love that. Yeah, nice for yeah. the kids this time of year. No, nobody's swimming this time of year. Yeah, it's easy and best of all, I don't have to clean up. So, yeah, Jordan and I will see you there, Jeff. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> I'm gonna be in Houston. So, 
Uh, you can show up, Mr. Yeah, I, just, but... I just wanted to dunk on Trey for not getting yeah. invited to make him feel bad. But You know, yeah, BK, no if problem. you're still growing the stash, I would invite you just to lean into the bit. I'd invite you to my six-year-old's birthday party. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't get let in the door, so thank you very much. <laughs> all right, guys. See you all on Monday. Later, fellas. See you.